And welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is an independent music and arts podcast. And uh, independent means I just am beholden to nobody doing this all on myself. And speaking of music, my guest today is Nat Vazer. And that music playing in is by her and her from her wonderful album, Is This Offensive and Loud? The song is called For a Moment, and you can find that on Hotel Motel Records. Also, she did a special release on Permanent Doom, uh, which is a cassette release. All that is in the show notes where you can find all things Nat Vazer. Also, she is has been nominated for Best Breakthrough Artist for the Music Victoria Awards, uh, and you can go vote for her. No matter where you're listening in the world, you can vote for her to win that, and you should vote for her, I say. Um, we've become palsies over the instant Instagram, I'll call it, but we message, and she's great, and this interview is great, and her music is great. Everything's great. Um, real quick, though, if you like her music, you might want to go back and check out some of my old episodes. Uh, I've had a lot of great artists uh, recently. I had Tim Ritelli from Califone, Lisa Ambrosio from Magic Markers, Kyle Field from Little Wings, Alex from Mets, Tim Presley. The list goes on and on. Just go uh, and you can go to my the show notes, and uh, there's my link tree. It'll take you to all things Matt Dwyer. You could become a Patreon subscriber, and what would really also be great is if you just told your friends about the show. Follow me on Instagram. That link is in the show notes, and um, tell your friends about the show. Patreon subscribers, like you can watch the video version of this interview, which is also extended. A lot of times my interviews go on for much longer, but I put the full unedited versions on Patreon and or video and uh you can get that there or other kinds of wonderful things and there's a conversations with matt dwyer uh playlist i've made on spotify of all past guests or most and uh because some of them don't sing songs so it would just be weird if that was them like cooking a souffle or something but anyway enough of my rabble babble um you can hear my baby yelling in the background (laughs) that's uh podcasting in quarantine don't don't quite get the uh, quiet you would like. Anyway, here's a great conversation with Nat Vazer. At a young age, you found escape within music because you had a, I guess, a, a tumultuous childhood. And um, I was just wondering what what did you find in music that you weren't getting in other areas, like away from the tumultuousness of your childhood yeah so I guess um in my early teens it was kind of rocky just because um my parents were going through a really rough divorce and so my brother and I had a kind of um rough um home life and, and school life as well and we had to like move schools and move houses a lot and um it wasn't a fun time so I guess going through all that um, intuitively I had somehow found, um, you know, just solace in, in music, like an escape, a way of escaping all that. And I think, um, writing, I I used to write a lot of stories as a kid. I used to write a lot of just short stories, like fiction kind of things, like little plays for my friends to act in. It was just something fun I used to do as well. And, um, I think writing and listening to music and just, um, picking up the guitar and, 
just um, mucking around with that was my way of getting away from what was happening around me in, in reality. Um, and it was probably, yeah, one of the best things I've ever, um, that I ever did, you know, just being swept up in that world of creativity. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just my go-to for everything now. <laughs> but were you a bit of a outsider, like within your school? Yeah, I think so. I think moving to different schools, it was always just hard to adapt. Um, I did feel like a bit of an outsider, but um, after my parents' divorce, I moved to a school that was, it was pretty much rated like one of the worst schools in the state. Um, And um, I don't know, I think I found my place there because there were also a lot of um, kind of misfits. (laughs) who, you know, they were, they were kind of like from broken families and, and had other sort of unfortunate things happening um, to them around that time. So it kind of, it was like a way of bringing people together. Like I was able to find people who wanted to also write music with me, start a band. And I guess that's where it all kind of started. Yeah. It's, it's like in my high school, everybody who was the misfits actually turned out to be the ones who were okay in life and like did the more interesting things were all the guys that beat me up. And there was a lot of those, uh, they, they all still live in this shitty little town and it's just, uh, it's, I don't know. It's so funny how that dynamic changes. Like Mm. it's like everyone I know who was picked on ended up becoming creative and having these great, wonderful lives. (laughs) It's like, and these guys still just live in shitty Streamwood, Illinois. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that you used to get beat up. That that must have been really horrible. Uh, like, um, yeah, it was pretty. I mean, you know, high school teens are already just this awful experience. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> there was so many things that you know we're or, or not just me. All of us are awkward with, and and then you have uh, the the cool folk telling you you're not <laughs> one of them or whatever and it's just like this added layer of anxiety and stress in an already challenging environment yeah absolutely um, um yeah it's weird I think like it's, it was the same I've, I found the same like a lot of the people in high school who were who were bullied or, or who were just kind of outcasts have gone on to do some pretty amazing things like and I don't know whether it's because it's like you know being on the receiving end of that sort of thing just changes you fundamentally um as a person and in your development like I don't know if it's you know a resilience thing or just yeah growing up with that it I reckon it definitely has some sort of impact on you that's an interesting point that you mentioned resilience because I feel like that is one of the things that it taught me is that, you know, you get through these things and when you do, it's often much better and you're a better person. Mm, Totally. I agree. What like drew you to the music that you were listening to in high school? Cause I think you were, it was (laughs) like Metallica and. Oh yeah. Um, I think I was a really angry kid. It's just really (laughs) angry. At my parents and and what was happening around me, I I just felt this weird sense of like, you know, as as a kid, I felt deprived of um, 
I don't know, like the, the childhood or the teenagehood that, you know, other people sort of got. Um, and I guess I just sort of tried to find a way to channel all that anger <laughs> and angst, teen angst and um, other things into, you know, just playing in bands and listening to really heavy music. That kind of reflected my emotional state. And I guess, yeah, Metallica was some for some reason still really popular um, in high school. And it was just really fun to, like, to play as well. And, um, yeah, it was good. It was a good outlet, metal, punk, thrash, all that sort of stuff. Were you all, all uh, acting differently before you found that music? Were you, like, acting out or were you, like, seeking to where to get, have this outlet? Um, maybe not consciously, but, um, yeah, I definitely did need it at the time that all those things were happening. Um, and then it's your, did you know, like at that age, did you know that this was something you wanted to pursue or did that even not enter your head? I remember thinking I had the best time of my life, like, just playing with my friends at like a school assembly. We were playing like Enter Sandman or whatever. <laughs> all the kids went wild and I was like, this is the best feeling in the world. I want to do this forever if I, if I can. And then, you know, like real life kind of takes over and you go through your exams and then everyone goes to uni and you kind of forget, you forget that that's possible and you forget that that can be, that's, that that's a, I mean, it's, it's, to a lot of people, you know, that's not a sensible thing. That's not going to be, it's not encouraged. And it's obviously, yeah, it's, there's a lot of risks. Um, and yeah, people, your parents aren't going to tell you to, to, you know, drop uni and do that sort of thing. And my mom, <laughs> my mom always pressured me to quit all the bands that I was in. And, um, even today it's hard to get support from my parents for what I do, but, um, it's, it's not something, sorry, to answer your question in short, it's not something that I thought I'd be doing, uh, you know, in my adult. Your parents are very practical folk? I think so. Um, yeah, my, I'm like, my dad's a mechanic and my mom has worked in retail all her life and they migrated to Australia um, in the early 80s. And so they've got that sort of, um, you know, with their migrant background, they've got to, they've really developed like um, that really you know, hard work ethic and you've got to, you've got to study hard. You've got to work hard for your future and, you know, create a life for yourself and things aren't easy. Like things didn't come easy for them, I guess. They, they came over with, you know, like a suitcase and some cash in their pockets. It's like, you know, and they met, they met each other in Australia, but they still, um, it, yeah, it just wasn't easy for them. And I guess that's sort of something they've tried to instill in me, like to, to work hard, to, you know, for your future and to secure a good career, that sort of thing. Do you find yourself striving to get your parents to accept that you are a musician and that's what you're going to spend your life doing? Um, I think I used to think that way, but um, I think I've learned over the years to write music for myself and, you know, you're never going to, please everyone you, you just got to do what you think is the right thing and do right by by you and um I think if I'm constantly trying to please my my parents or trying to you know I, like I, I love my mom and my dad but like 
if you're constantly trying to, you know, win them over, it's the art just doesn't come out the right way. Um, and it's just not, it's not really, yeah, it's not honest and it's not genuine and you've just got to do, you know, what you kind of believe in regardless of what other people right. think, I think. Can't they, don't, those things they don't see that you had a write-up in Rolling Stone. <laughs> I mean, that's like <laughs> kind of one of the bigger moments in any musician's life, I would imagine. Uh, I just think for them, those aren't priorities, you know. Um, music's not a real career and um, it's not going to put bread and butter on the table. It's not, you know, it's not what's going to help pay off your house. And they're just very down to earth, very practical people. So did, did, did that sort of influence affect why your choice to go to law school or was that something completely different? Yeah, I think that sort of did. Um, like, I guess after high school, um, like I, I was like a bit of a nerd and I was really into academics and um, law was just something that fascinated me, but it also came with obviously that, that um, you know, a career with more security. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I was 18 and I had to make a choice and so I chose law, but I also didn't want to compromise, so I chose music as well. So I ended up studying both and I'm, I'm really glad that I didn't just do the one. Oh, you it was just... In university or uni, as you, uh, I want to assimilate yeah. <laughs> that you, yeah. so you were studying both at, at oh, that's interesting. Yeah. At the same time, which is, um, not great <laughs> because I don't, I don't remember, I just had really bad memories of like the exams, the law exams were like three and a half hours. And so your hand would just be frozen by the time you, you dress, you would be writing madly for three and a half hours. And I remember my hands were so stiff and my fingers were so stiff by the end of that, but then I'd have a piano exam the next day and I just wouldn't, it would be like a real challenge to try and just get my hand working um, normally by the next morning for, for, you know, the next exam. And yeah, they're not a, it's a hard, it's a weird combination to do practical performance while you're also studying law when the exams are just really, it's just ridiculous. Long. I mean, I don't, know much about law other than I've broken a few but like it seems like <laughs> studying law and mu it's like seems like the polar opposite worlds to be studying at the same time and was that because I mean law is more practical music is more impulse and emotion <laughs> it's like was that also mm -hmm. weird to juggle like it was definitely, but it was also just, um, it kind of gave me what I sort of needed in, from both worlds. Like, you know, there was the more logical, practical side that was being nurtured through law school as well as the creative and more emotional side of me, I think. That was, um, so in that way it was a good combination, but in, in practice, like in terms of studying and doing exams, it was it was very hard because... Yeah, like music school, I think it was it was pretty competitive. There were a lot of people that were just practicing eight hours a day, and then in law school, you know, you had all the the crazy people who were wanting to get into all the top tier law firms, and they'd be reading so many books every day. And it's hard to fit that many hours of you know rehearsal and and reading in the one day. So 
yeah, doing that for many years is is pretty tiring as well. Did you f- feel like an in- a, a internal conflict with yourself? Like I'm this person, but I'm trying to be this person. Was there that sort of dynamic? Yeah, totally, totally. I felt like a bit of an imposter um, everywhere I went. Every time I went to law school, I think people just thought maybe I was like a bit of a hippie or whatever. And every time I went to music school, it was like, um, I don't know, it was like your legal views aren't welcome here. Or it was just like, <laughs> it was just like a weird vibe. Um, and yeah, I, I liked music school a lot better. I think I, um, yeah, it was a better fit for me, that community, but it was also like a really old school kind of school. Like, um, like there was like 300 people studying classical piano and all the professors were really into, you know, they, they like some of them have been teaching there since 1951. So they have these really old school methods and um, they were very like perfectionist type kind of teachers and you would even have to like change your shoes um, to, to use the pedal on the <laughs> piano because they wanted you to get used to like performing with those shoes, you know, everyone was trying to, everyone was gunning to be like a concert pianist and they wanted, you know, people wanted to, they were competing for like scholarships to go to Europe to, you know, become a concert pianist. And it was just really competitive and crazy. So, and so was law school. Um, so it was just a, just a crazy world, really. It sounds insanely <laughs> stressful too. Yeah, it was. Not a fun time in did, my life, but did, did you, got through it. Did you think about, like, uh, I want to be a concert pianist, or you're like, I'm playing rock and roll, motherfuckers? <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I don't know. I was, like, just trying to get through it because it was just something I'd chosen and wasn't really thinking properly. I was, you know, just wanting to learn. I think I was just coming from a place of I want to learn new things and I want to improve my skills. And, um, but during all of uni, the thing I thought about the most was just, you know, trying to book the next gig for my band because I was still playing in a band during uni. Um, so I did, I, I definitely felt that hunger for rock and roll. Um, and and when you left after you left university and you went and got like, you went out and got a real gig, right? Like a law gig? Yeah. Yeah, the job market was a bit crazy then, but um, it took me a while to get a job. Um, but, yeah, eventually I got there. And even then I felt like an imposter there because the whole time I'd, I'd be thinking about music and trying to write. Um, yeah. Did you, ever, <laughs> did you ever feel like when you were doing music, the, your music, the music that you wanted to did you did you ever have an imposter syndrome with that? Um, when I was writing my own yeah. original. Like, did you ever yeah. feel imposter, like an imposter or uncomfortable within that because of the conflict? Is it- um, no, not, not really, I guess, because um, in, in trying to write, I'm, I'm trying to be really, really honest with myself. So it's probably the, the only place where I can be myself. Um, whereas, yeah, in every other setting, it's always felt like, you know, I'm taking on this other identity that's not quite me or I'm compromising a big part of myself to fit in with this, you know, legal office or music school or whatever it is. Like, um, 
Whereas the writing space for me has been like a safe kind of zone where I can really be myself and not feel like some, I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause is, has there been anything when you write the areas that, um, I, I hope this isn't like a vague question, but you know, sometimes when you write, you, you trip into an area that maybe you're a little uncomfortable to explore, but you push, did you, do you ever enter that? Or are you so like in your own self when you write that everything is comfortable? I hope that was clear. <laughs> um, it's, it's usually, um, oh, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, I think at times it is comfortable and, the times where it's uncomfortable, that's when the really interesting things come out because you discover things about yourself and and your perspective on the world and it's like the stuff that you really want to say. Um, it's hard because not, you know, you know, you might think um, maybe this is why people don't say it because it's really, it's, it's not easy to express um, or it can be, it leaves you feeling quite vulnerable and, um, but yeah, I think that's the uncomfortable zone is um, where um, you can grow as a person and you can discover a lot of things creatively, um, cr- creativity-wise, and um, even just on a personal level. How does it feel to perform a song that you feel like that about, where you're vulnerable and you explored something for the first time? How does that feel? to perform that in front of an audience for the first time? Um, at first, when I first started gigging, um, it was pretty nerve wracking because it's like, you're, you're like pouring your heart out to a bunch of strangers who might not give a shit about what you're saying. Or, you know, they could throw things at you or they could just laugh at you and you're, yeah, you're being like, absolutely. Um, you're sharing like your secrets with the world and strangers, people you don't even know. But um, I think over time I've just learned to <clears throat> kind of get over that. Um, it's a it's a good feeling to be able to, you know, express your thoughts and to, to write your own music and um, have control, you know, over that. Have you ever had people come up to you afterwards and thank you and f- for touching your music, touching them and and speaking to them? Um, yeah, I've had a few people, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's always interesting to hear their backstories and, and, um, what their take is on a, on a song and their interpretation and, and how that affects them. Um, it, it, to yeah. me, like music is just such, I think this is why I interview so many musicians because to me, it's like a magical world that I, I can't create, but I have such an admiration for and um just when music speaks to you it's you know there's nothing like it in the whole world and i can't Mm. imagine what that must feel like to touch people's lives in such a manner (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah well i think i think you can create i think everyone is capable of it honestly um it's um but it, it, you know, it's different for everyone. Um, you're creating this podcast right now, um, and I'm sure people are really grateful that it exists, and people are touched by, you know, your work as well. It's it's just it just comes out. It's just different for everyone, you know, different medium form or, um, yeah, 
but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing thing. And it's not like, um, you necessarily set out to, to do that when you're, you, when you're making the work or the, the art, it's, it's just this incidental thing that happens when you're trying to be yourself, um, in the most genuine kind of way possible. And then somebody kind of sees some part of themselves, I think in, in that, or they can relate to that in some way. And I think that's when that sort of magic as you're describing kind of happens and everyone kind of realizes we're all kind of the same, like we're all kind of connected in that in a sense and through those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, Just to back up a little bit, what, what kind of law did you go into? I read, but it's, and I didn't write it down, so it's not in my head. <laughs> it's like, what uh, were you practicing? It's not like super exciting and memorable anyway. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like civil, civil litigation. Um, it's kind of like, cause you, you have, you know, criminal law and civil law, um, but it's like um, in government law. So, um, and litigation is a weird thing as well. Like I just dealt with the pointy end of a lot of legal cases, the ones that kind of end up in court or, um, end up, end up going into like a settlement, um, negotiation. Um, yeah. Did you enjoy, do you, in doing it or was it just sort of, yeah, you did? I actually, I actually did. Um, which is probably surprising to a lot of people, but I found it really intellectually stimulating and, um, it was just really great to learn to understand how, how government works and how society works and how legislation and laws are made and also just understanding, yeah, just people, you know. Um, I worked with a lot of, like, there were a lot of, like, sexual assault matters and personal injury matters and um, just getting insight into how trauma, like, you know, can affect people in a really deep way. Um, just It was just interesting to, like, learn about that, um, in reality, as opposed to just reading about it in, in textbooks and whatever at uni. And, um, yeah, I learned a lot and I, and I've worked with a lot of really brilliant people. I think a lot of really empathetic, um, and just really intelligent lawyers who are real mo- role models for me. And it, I guess it built up my confidence in a way. I, I don't think I would have been able to, um, like I wouldn't be the same kind of songwriter if I hadn't gone through that sort of thing um it really that's really interesting that that it would Mm. influence your songwriting can you is can you expound on that at all how that influenced your I know that's maybe abstract um I think more than anything it probably did um a lot for my self-confidence just like knowing knowing that um that there are ways to be I don't know like to to create real change and and um, you know, using your skills <clears throat> in a way to be, I don't know, influential and being able to express your thoughts and advocate for, for change. And you can do that obviously like, yeah, through art and music as well. And I think that's been um, a bit of an avenue for me to, to do that. Like the music has been um, like a, just a good platform to express my views on, on certain things that have happened to me or around me. I, I tend to write about things I, I care about. And so I think, that's come through a little bit on, um, you know, some of the songs on the album, like grateful and better now. Um, and yeah, in my, during my EP, like keep away from parks and privilege and they have sort of political undertones. Um, and that's probably a bit of an influence from the legal background as well as just 
yeah, just things happening around me at, at the time that I just give a shit about. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, I read that you, while you were working in the law firm, you were also performing and you would get like three hours a night of sleep and have to, which sounds maddening. I'm very lazy. <laughs> That's way too much for me. <laughs> but I'm, was there a specific breaking point where you were like, I'm done. Was there a, a distinct moment where you're like, I can't do this anymore? Yeah, surprisingly, yes. Um, it, I guess it wasn't like, it was something that was boiling over um, a long period of time, but there was just this one day where I woke up and um, it was really weird. It was just this one day I woke up um, and uh, sometimes, you know, every, every morning I, I like to just write a little bit on a notepad um, before I start my day. It's just to sort of offload any thoughts that I have and just to get this, it's a bit of a stream of consciousness exercise that I do, um, which really helps the writing. But I remember writing on that morning that I wanted to quit my job and um, it, which came as a surprise for me because I didn't expect to write that. And, um, and uh, yeah, there was just something about that morning. It, you know, I just felt, I was, it was the end of the chapter and I had to pursue this next thing, um, which was music. It was just starting to take over. And I felt that that was something I needed to give more time and space and energy to, because there was something to explore there. Um, I felt that, that there was nothing really more for me in that career, like down that career path. Um, I felt exhausted from trying to juggle all the songwriting with the nine to five full-time gig, which was really intense. You know, um, it, it just took a lot out of me and it just made sense, um, to quit when I did. And I'm really glad that I, that I did it. I mean, it was, it's terrifying because, you know, you're just quitting a full-time job and <laughs> completely diving into something else. But, um, it's, I, it was the best decision I've, I've ever made, honestly. Yes. I can relate. Cause I did the same thing. I, I took a very mm. practical corporate job when I had a kid and um not to be dark. I like it was I was so miserable. I was I was ruining every aspect of the good things in my life were b- being affected by this and and I just wow. and and it's were you did you have were you making enough money from music or did you have to like go work in a coffee shop which you know, <laughs> a lot of musicians do. <laughs> Um, I did think about that, but I, I sort of saved up. So when I decided to quit, I sort of allowed myself to save up a bit more over the um, next few months. So I, I resigned, you know, about two months later after I, um, two, three months later after I decided that. Um, so I had a bit of savings for a while and just traveled and went to, you know, Canada and, and, and the US as well to stay with some family members. So that kind of helped out a bit as well. Um, but yeah, coming back, I had to find a, a part-time job. So I don't have, I've, yeah, the coffee thing I, I really wanted to do, but I don't have any experience. So I don't think anyone's ever going to take me in, in hospitality. So Oh, you just, um, you, uh, you lie. You just lie about it. So I know you're, you're you but, seem like an ethical, moral person, but I've lied about those things constantly because it was survival. <laughs> I, I just feel like I wouldn't know how to work a coffee machine. Like you would be able to just see see that as soon as I stand in front of a coffee machine, I wouldn't even know the first step to, <laughs> like I, I just wouldn't know how to do it. Again, I'd get fired. 
Surely you lie and you go, Oh, this isn't like the machine I learned on. Can I just, I don't know. It's been a while. Can you show me? That's what I did. (laughs) That's good. I should use that. But like I said, you, you you have ethics. I'm, I'm uh, clearly a scumbag. (laughs) Oh no. Ethics have just gone out the window lately. (laughs) Um, how did it land with your parents when you're like, I quit my job and I'm playing music. Did they, uh, um, I initially told them that I was just going on a really long holiday because <laughs> I, I just couldn't tell them the truth. And, um, when I came back and I got a part-time job, they were like, Oh, okay, that's all right. At least you still have a way of supporting yourself. But yeah. I had a, a comedian friend. That was my <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that was my way of lying to get through that time yeah i I, ironically i had a a comedian friend rich fulcher he was in i don't know if you know him but he was in some british tv shows but he he was a lawyer and he lied to his parents for years that he was working in law and he even had like a gave his parents a friend's phone number um so when they called him at work she would pretend to be his secretary (laughs) that's pretty extreme that's a lot of um Effort. It went on for like years. Like it was a like several years, and then he started becoming semi successful. So then I think he told him like, "I'm an actor now." <laughs> but it was like, you know what? And how did they react to that? I don't know. I'll have to ask him. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, did you do? You, did you find uh, the training that you got like classically? Has that affected your songwriting at all, or is that just I mean, I'm sure it affects your skill as a player, but does that filter into songwriting on a on, on a rock level? Um, that's an interesting question. I think um, when I write, I don't, like, think about music theory or, you know, things that I've learned um, in my classical music training, but I think they do, they do help... Um, whether, whether I'm conscious of it or not when I'm writing, it's just, um, I, yeah, I, I think just all these years of maybe like oral training and having that ear helps with, you know, coming up with the chord progressions and the melodies and all that, the arrangements especially. I think um, listening to a lot of classical music, you know, you get used to hearing a lot of layers um, and how things are arranged. And I think um, arrangement is a big part of, yeah, just the songwriting for me anyway. I do all the arrangements. Um, and, yeah, it feeds into it in a, in a weird way um, that I'm not, like, I'm not, like, deliberately trying to draw on that kind of knowledge when I'm writing, if, if that makes any sense. It just kind of comes intuitively. But I, I can't imagine writing without that sort of background either because I maybe I wouldn't know what to pick or choose or where to go with it which direction to take the music um without without having yeah gone through that was yeah it's, it's hard, hard to explain was there any jazz involved or is it was it just mostly classical or were there other genres and it was all classical but I did play a bit of jazz in high school um on drums like I played drums on um for my school ensemble because there was just no drummer and 
and I hadn't learned drums, but my music teacher was this wild, crazy guy who just was like, oh, he, he just randomly like looked around the classroom and just pointed at me and was like, okay, you'll do, you can play drums. Um, here's some, here's some sticks. And he just threw, he threw them at me and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm playing drums now for a jazz school ensemble. So, um, yeah, ended up picking a bit of that up, which is all good. I think it's, it's good to, I think, immersing yourself in just a wide variety of genres. Um, it would, certainly for me, that's, that's, um, that's helped a lot with the songwriting because, you know, you just feel like exploring all these different types of ideas. You're not, it's made me not afraid to, to do that, to, you know, kind of selectively, um, yeah, draw on different ideas from different genres. And do you, how many instruments can you play? Um, I don't know. I haven't really counted, but um, yeah. That sounds like a lot. Not not a a lot. I I just, you know, like just drums, bass, and um, guitar, mostly guitar and piano. They're my main instruments, I would say. Um, When you record, do you play all of those, or do you get some folk to play instead um no i have my band members come in because i'm a i'm a pretty sloppy drummer i wouldn't trust <laughs> myself to, to play on a um in recording in the studio but yeah I've, I've got um three band members sometimes my producer jumps on bass and um i play synth piano percussion and um and guitar in the studio when we're recording so. i'm always curious because there's musicians who clearly are the force of a band or are the, are the band and but they still have a band and it's like you know what chose you to not be a like a band whatever name like hey we're the cornfields <laughs> which would be the worst band name ever and what what made you choose that it would just be you if that makes mm. cuz that's always interested that's... to me yeah no one's actually asked me that before um I think having been in, um, you know, a lot of bands throughout high school and and uni, um, I found that it was hard to sometimes get my ideas across. It just depends so much on the band dynamics and the members. And often I, um, you know, you would only have an element of control over a certain thing or if, if you're, you know, just a lead guitarist, you were writing mostly like just guitar lead melodies, um, it'd be hard to get, to have input sometimes on other things. And, um, yeah, it's, it's something I haven't, um, fully learnt, um, or, or do, I, I can't seem to do it all that well, but like just trying to collaborate in the writing process is something I'm still learning to do. I think I decided to just, to just have this as a solo project because, um, it just gave me free reign on, on, on the songwriting. I could just kind of do whatever I wanted with it. It was my little kind of sanctuary of freedom, creative freedom that I could just go to. That's how it sort of started out anyway. And so now it's just developed into something else. But initially, yeah, the vision was just to have a, a space to write whatever I wanted and to have a place where I could um, fully explore ideas without any sort of judgment from someone else or having to compromise on something just to make another person happy, um, in that project. And I know that's not, uh, that sounds weird, but like, um, I think it was necessary for me personally so that I could realize the potential in some of the songs and, 
and to just kind of um, develop my songwriting that way just felt the right, like the right thing to do. Um, and your most recent album came out in May, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, on 29th of May this year, and in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because, yeah, we had a, we had a, a baby in that uh, moment and it was um, terrifying. And I can't, I mean, to an extent, your album is like a baby. <laughs> but uh, how, was that frustrating? Because I would assume you were planning to, because I, I listened to your album and I'm like, fuck man, I wish like she, I could go see this live. And <laughs> and we probably would have met and maybe had a beer. <laughs> yeah, but, love that. Uh, I but how it was that frustrating or did how how did you handle that? Yeah, it was initially frustrating because I was so excited to tour on this album. <clears throat> um, I and I, I had just sort of got a new van at the time, and I was like, "This is the touring van. This is the ultimate thing. I, I can't wait to get on the road with the guys on this in this thing and." just play some really awesome shows. Um, but, um, yeah, unfortunately that didn't happen, but I think in some ways it's also been, um, really great releasing an album in lockdown because it was a time where, um, and it's probably still is, you know, a time where people were hungry for some entertainment being in lockdown and, you know, looking for new music. And, um, um, yeah, it was a good time to release because it, it it probably reached a lot more people than it otherwise would have. Oh, that's, yeah, that's interesting. And, mm. and the reception of it, you recently won, uh, an award and I, uh, like your oh, reception I, of it has been great. Yeah. I've been nominated. Um, but, um, yeah, haven't won anything, but it's, it's still like, um, an honor to be nominated. Um, yeah. D- does, does that uh, how do you how do you feel about like does that um sort of uh, my lack my poor vocabulary is fucking me right now <laughs> but is that like an affirmation of like yes like i left my job i this uh, this is all right i did all the right things yeah i think it's definitely encouraging um like i'm not one for like oh you know i i, I obviously don't do this for the to win awards and that sort of thing. I mean, awards are, you know, it's an, it's sometimes it's an industry thing and sometimes it's a public vote thing and you can't, you know, base your art around, you know, the affirmation and, you know, validation of others necessarily. But I think it is definitely, um, yeah, very encouraging to, to, and, to just be recognized by the community and, and the industry. And it's a nice feeling. And I think, yeah, it's, it's sort of like, um, I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's encouraging. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I, like, I, I mean, I too, is, I, I don't think much of awards, but on the flip, if I got nominated for something, I'd be like, it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, but it's a symbol of like, you have achieved, you know, you have the audience and the people listening that, that acknowledges it. So yeah, it would absolutely. be hard not to be like, cause I, I don't watch the Oscars, but if I got nominated for one, which would be weird cause I do nothing that would allow that, <laughs> but I would be like, Oh f- yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. It would be mind. Yeah. 
totally exciting. Thank I you. am excited. Don't get me wrong. I am excited and I'm very grateful. Do so they give Oscars for podcasts? Do you know? Uh, <laughs> they should. If, if not, definitely should. I feel like we're heading in that direction. Um, there probably will be a podcast Oscar award yeah, in sometime in the future, do you reckon? It's a, pardon me? Oh, do you think do you think they might there might be in the future? I know it seems like it's become uh, yes there'll be some uh, some kind of award it seems because it's become when I started podcasting it was the wild west like I and I the way I approach it is still very loosey goosey and um, but now it's become insanely corporate and uh, I I was actually helping a friend of mine who is a uh, semi or pretty famous comedian guy develop a podcast and it's all now with the agents and all that stuff it's all a vehicle to get a tv show or a movie made and i'm like to me that's not why i ever got into this at all and i find mm. i find that um personally i find that a little like um gross because it's like yeah because now it's just like it's not special. It's just, and it's not, it can't exist as its own thing. It has to become something bigger and financial. Yeah. And that's, uh, I don't know. That's not why I ever have done anything in my life. And it shows if you saw my apartment yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my car, especially my car, you'd be like, Oh, this poor guy. <laughs> um, uh, no. What do you, uh, while in quarantine, are you, work like has this been an inspiration for what you writing and what you'll do next i can't i would imagine yeah it's been really great for writing i think um just being in lockdown away from everyone away from distractions um it's been really nice and i've been able to concentrate on that a bit at the same time um because i haven't been able to go out and do exciting, fun things, it's sometimes hard to find motivation as well. So what you may be churning out a lot, but the quality is a bit like less enthusiastic and your attitude towards it is a bit, you know, it's sometimes, yeah, just hard when you're not excited and you're a bit, you're a bit bored and you're feeling sluggish um, and you can't go anywhere because there's curfew and travel restrictions and everything. So you have a curfew as well. Oh yeah. It's, oh, it's not on anymore, but we did at, at, I think it was about a month and a half ago. We had curfews. We had a 5k radius travel restriction restriction. So you can only travel within 5k's of your house, of your, of your home. And, um, yeah, it's pretty, it was pretty restrictive. It's pretty strict. Well, so like if your dog had to go out after curfew, do you just have to let the dog, uh, use the car? No. No. <laughs> yeah, you, you wouldn't be able to do that. I mean, I guess if you had to let the dog out to do its business, I mean, that would probably be an exception, but you, you couldn't take it for a run um, past, I think there was an eight o'clock curfew. It got extended to nine after a couple, after six weeks. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty serious. And you had to have like um, work permits for traveling. Um Otherwise, you'd get fined, and it was a pretty hefty fine too. I I feel like if the states would have, if we would have been that strict within those two weeks, those first two crucial weeks, we would be in a much different situation. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a lot of stupid Americans. <laughs> <laughs> 
like I've, I feel like as a white male, I should just apologize, just spend my days apologizing to everybody. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, female person, that we're awful. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not, not me awful. personally, but you know the, the the overall genre of white male. <laughs> um, uh, so, I want to uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, I, I've I've greatly enjoyed this, by the way. Thank um, you. So, um, thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. But before we uh, jump off, I want real quick: is there anything you would like to plug? I'm going to put everything in the show notes. But if you would like to, if there's anything specific you want to shout out, oh, and I forgot to ask: Are do you plan on doing any live stream, like live music streams of you playing or anything like that? No, unfortunately, no lives at this point in time. But, um, oh, sorry, you just froze there oh. for a second. Um, but um, the the debut album is called Is This Offensive and Loud? And it's now out on cassette um, on oh. Perpetual Doom. And every tape comes with a free sticker, um, a free ticket to high places sticker. And, um, yeah, it's available on, on Perpetual Doom's Bandcamp um, and perpetualdoom.com as well. Um, and real, real quick, one last thing I want to ask is when can my family and I move in with you? Because we've discussed this on, <laughs> in messaging on Instagram. Oh. You said you were going to adopt us and I want this to be documented for all to hear. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, as soon as I master that, um, African peanut stew recipe you sent me, um, I'll be able to take you in cause I'll be able to, you know, be able to provide 